Holy Week began 2,000 years ago. What that video showed was people worshiping Jesus as he entered toward Jerusalem. He was on the road going up to the city. He was not to the city yet, but on the road to Jerusalem. And they were waving the palm branches and they were laying their robes down in front of him to honor Jesus, the King of Kings. And and that is what we celebrate today. Today is Palm Sunday. And so we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry toward Jerusalem and into the city of Jerusalem. But then, as you know, Holy Week is, is a whole week. And, and so we celebrate Palm Sunday today, but then we go through the week and we celebrate all the stuff that happens in there. And then Good Friday, we celebrate and we remember what Jesus did on the cross for you and I, right? We celebrate and we remember the sacrifice that was paid. And then in a week, one week from today is really the greatest day. It's the biggest day because it's Easter and it's kind of a big deal. Right. It's kind of a big deal because this is the day that we celebrate Jesus conquering sin and death in one fell swoop when he resurrects from the dead. All right. And so we have that whole week before us. This is the beginning of Holy Week or Passion Week. But today we're going to start a little bit different. We're going to take you on a little bit of a journey from Palm Sunday through the week to Good Friday And then leading up to, of course, we'll focus next week, next Sunday on Easter itself. But we're going to go on a little bit of a journey and do things just a little bit different. And so so today we're going to talk about why the middle matters. Now, you guys got Oreo cookies on your seats. You're welcome for that. That is good stuff. I, I promise I have not eaten one of those I did a few others that we didn't have to use in bags uh, this week. But I did have a couple. It was just a couple. But uh, they are very good. But all of us know that the Oreo, without the middle, is really nothing. I don't know about you. Maybe you like to eat the, the brown part, and that's great. But for me, the Oreo is nothing because the middle matters. In the cookie and right here. Right? The middle matters. We know the middle matters in the Oreo cookie. But what do we mean by the middle matters here today? The middle matters. What that means for us here today is that the middle of the week, the middle of Passion Week, what we don't have a Sunday for matters. We celebrate Palm Sunday and we celebrate Easter. But we forget that there's a whole bunch of really important stuff That happens in the middle, in between those things. For example, what we're going to talk about is the middle matters. And and, uh, in Luke chapter 19 in the Bible um, is where we have recorded the triumphal entry of Jesus. What that video talked about, Jesus comes in and they were waving palm branches and they were singing Hosanna to the King of Kings. And they were singing and they were praising him and it was kind of a parade atmosphere. And Jesus is riding on a colt, on a, on a young donkey, and, and he's riding toward Jerusalem, and, he's, and he's, there's this exaltation, there's this celebration. People are so excited to see Jesus enter to Jerusalem. He's like a celebrity all of a sudden. And Jesus enters in, but then in Luke chapter 19, we get through that whole part where all the people are praising his name and there's this, this grand thing. And you maybe have seen it on TV shows or in movies and it's just exultant, it's celebrative and it's just, it's really cool. There's lots of energy. But then 
We get to the end of that chapter, toward the end of that chapter, and we get to verse 41. And I want to read it in just a minute. But verse 41, Jesus, in the midst of all that, Jesus does something that seems a little strange. In the midst of this celebration, in the midst of people saying, you are the king of kings, we exalt you. He does something a little strange. And he's going to show us why the middle matters. In one verse. Listen to this verse, verse 41. But as he, Jesus, came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. Doesn't that seem strange? As Jesus is riding on the donkey and and people are waving branches and saying, praise the Lord, Hosanna, we love you, you're awesome. And Jesus looks at the city and he sees the people He begins to cry. Why does Jesus do that? Well, Jesus does that because he knows that he is entering and they're celebrating him in this moment. But he knows the very people that Jesus has come to save, many of them in the next week are not going to accept him. They're going to want nothing to do with Jesus. In other words, what is happening in that moment when the palm branches are waving, there's this mixture of emotion. The people are exultant because Jesus is riding into Jerusalem and Jesus, his heart is breaking for the people. It's breaking. He's crying over the people who are not going to accept him, who don't want anything to do with him. Right now they think, see, that Jesus is coming in to save them from the Romans. That's what some people thought. They thought Jesus was coming in to save them, to give them political freedom from the Roman Empire. Well, that's not going to happen for a long time. That's what they thought, though. And what they're going to find out is Jesus actually came to give them much better freedom than that. He came to give them freedom from something they could not get freedom from themselves, and that is freedom from sin. Freedom from eternity separated from God. He's going to give them freedom to actually have that opportunity. And Jesus' heart is breaking. Here's why the middle matters. The middle matters because Jesus shows us in the middle of the week something that we sometimes tend to just forget or not think about. What is it? It's the heart of God. The very essence of God. We talk about belief in God like it's a theory, like it's something cool to do, like it's something to read. And Jesus says, I want you to understand my heart for you. My very focus, my very essence for you, for you, for me, for all people. The middle matters because the middle of the week demonstrates what Jesus, what God's focus is completely. For example, the weeping shows us kind of the start of the middle of the week, doesn't it? It shows us the beginning of that. But then fast forward a little bit further in and Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple. And this is, you know, we kind of think of Jesus as a a very just, you know, he was soft spoken. He never raised his voice. He, you know, he was he said, turn the other cheek. And so he was sweet And nice. And he never said anything controversial. You know, do you think of Jesus that way? 
Let me tell you, just look a little while in here and read about his life and you will find that the wrong view has been given of Jesus. He goes into the temple and he sees there's money changers there. And let me just explain what they were doing. They were, they were selling animals so that people who had to travel from Jeru- to Jerusalem from a long distance, they would have to buy, they would have to spend exorbitant fees for these animals that they knew they had to have to pay for their sin. That's, that was the Old Testament system. They had to pay for these things. And so people came in with tables and they started selling things. And Jesus gets really upset. He gets downright mad. And he goes in, he starts overturning the tables. And he says, get out. You are making my father's house, the house of God, a den of thieves. He gets really mad. Righteously mad. Not like bad kind of mad. He gets correctly mad. And he says, you are manipulating the people. You are using their sin against them. You are using their sin to make yourself rich. Jesus is mad. He says, there's injustice being done here. I am done with that. You need to be out. It shows, what does it show? We kind of, what, what do we tend to look at? We say, well, Jesus shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have thrown tables. Because Jesus wouldn't do that. He said, turn the other cheek. That's wrong. You know, we kind of think that way. No, it's not wrong because what Jesus is saying is, I am fighting for what is right here. This injustice is happening. He's manipul- these people are manipulating you and using you to get rich. And it needs to stop. And Jesus gets in there and he shows his passion. What does that show? It shows his heart. Why did he do that? Because he longs for the people. He loves the people and he sees that wrong is being done to them. So we see the middle matters because of what he does in the middle. Last example of the middle of the week. Fast forward another three, four days. Jesus is sitting down and actually they're lounging because that's what they did. They didn't sit on nice chairs like we do when we eat. They would lounge on their one arm and they would kind of lay with their feet back away from the table and they would lounge at the table. So they're lounging at the table. Jesus is having the last supper with his disciples. The last supper he's going to have with them. And Jesus is there with the Last Supper. He knows that he's going to be arrested that night. But he wants to enjoy this time. And he is using this time to help demonstrate to the disciples, listen, you've watched me live. You've heard me talk. You've seen all these things. But now I want to show you what this really looks like. I want to show you my heart. Now, Jesus doesn't say it. He does it with actions. Which, by the way, is really the better way to do it, isn't it? Jesus shows with his actions, what does he do? He decides, he looks around the room, and he realizes nobody has washed anybody's feet. Now, for you and I, that seems weird, right? When you come over to my house, I am not going to wash your feet. All right? I love you. I'm not washing your feet. (laughs) Now, if you really need me to, I'll just tell you, I will. I will. All right. But it's just not a normal hospitable thing. We'll offer you, you know, drinks or we'll offer you a place to sit and we'll say, hey, welcome to our home. Please, the refrigerator's over there. Go to it. You know, I mean, that's hospitable, right? In our country, it's like, that's what we do. In their country, in their time, washing a person's feet was normal, common. You just did it because their feet were nasty. 
They walked around with sandals or barefoot all the time. It was dirty. It was, their feet were constantly, I don't know, how many of you would sign up to wash people's feet? You're like, yeah, that, I'd love to do that. We're going to start a ministry at Northridge, and it's going to be in the community, and we're gonna, it's going to be for a couple hours every Saturday. So who wants to do that? Let's go. No, of course you don't want to do it. Nobody wants to do it. Nobody in the room wanted to do it either. Nobody did. And so Jesus takes his outer robe off, and he gets down, and he gets a water basin, and he starts to wash the disciples' feet. Now, again, like I said, that was common. That was normal for him to sit down and grab a basin and to start washing the disciples' feet. That was a normal thing. Here's what was really not normal about it. Usually, washing somebody's feet was reserved for the slaves, for the servants in the room. And usually, the lowest-ranking servants. Because, like I just said, you laugh when I say we're going to do washing. Who wants to sign up? Nobody wants to sign up for that. Because we don't want to do it. It's not an enjoyable task. We don't even like looking at our own feet. Let alone somebody else's, right? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah, preach it. And so Jesus shows them, he says, listen, he, he, he shows them with his actions. He doesn't have to say anything. He gets down. In fact, the disciples are uncomfortable with it because he's the highest ranking guy in the room. And he is now taking the position of the lowest slave. They're like, this is not right. This, this is uncomfortable. What are you doing, Jesus? He goes down and he washes their feet and he washes everyone's feet. And he sits back and he tells them, he says, do you understand what I've done for you? What did he do? He was showing them his heart. He says, I love you. I am willing to demean myself for you on your behalf. It doesn't matter to me what I look like or how people view me. If it means that I can serve you because I love you, I'm going to do that. No matter what it is. Now, the disciples didn't know, but this is like, Little beans compared to what Jesus is about to do for them. Right? And Jesus knows that. He is simply giving them a little tiny taste of what he's about to do. And so we see, don't we, that the middle of the week matters. Why? Because it shows us the heart of God. It's fun to focus on Palm Sunday. It's great to focus on Easter. But what happens in the middle is what shows us why all that stuff even happened in the first place. It shows us why Palm Sunday is possible. Why is the cross possible? It's because God loves you and I. Isn't it? So what I want to do is just, this is a little outside of what we normally do, but I want to just take a break, a hiatus from me speaking. It's a good thing, right? And I want to just take a break for just a minute, and I want us to celebrate the heart of God. You willing to do that with me? I want to celebrate the heart of God, because the heart of God is the heart of everything that is Christ and is Christianity. Everything that we stand for, the heart of God that is focused for you and for me. He loves us unconditionally. He's always fighting for us. We are simply not alone, are we? We sometimes feel that way, but we're not. He's always there for us. And so what I want to do to celebrate that is I want to sing. The worship band's going to come up here. You kind of wondered why they were sitting there, right? Hanging out. But I want us to stand and I want us to worship God. I want us to celebrate that God is always fighting for us. We're never alone, that he loves us completely. Can we do that? 
Go ahead and stand with me and let's just take a break and worship God and celebrate Him for that. It's important to remember, isn't it, that we are not alone? It is, it is one of those things when they're, they're, you have those hard weeks, it's hard to remember that. But the heart of God is completely focused on you. That song is true. We are not alone. God is fighting for us. It says in his word that he intercedes on our behalf. What does that mean? He's praying for us. He is constantly going to battle spiritually for you and I. Fighting for us because he loves us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves us perfectly. We are not alone. The whole point of this week, of Palm Sunday, of the middle of the week, of the end of the week, of the beginning of the next week, of Easter, the whole point of that is you and I. The whole point of it. That's why we celebrate it. That's why it's awesome. It's because the whole point is that God loves you and I, that He is focused on you and I, all people, past, present, and future. He's focused on all of us. And so we have this. Jesus has the last supper with his disciples and he showed us in the middle of the week his whole heart. He demonstrates his heart to you and I in the middle of the week. That's why the middle matters. But then at the end of the week, we get to the end of the week, which we all know and have focused on all the time. It's what we hear about. It's what we wear around our necks. It's where, what we talk about um, in, in the Bible. And it's what we see at the front of a church all the time. The cross, right? And so Jesus has the final supper with his disciples. The last supper. And he gets up and he goes. And Jesus is really beginning to feel the weight of the sin of the entire world. The weight of the entire world is now on his shoulders. And Jesus knows it. The disciples don't understand it yet. Nobody else understands it yet. Jesus is the only one carrying this burden at this point. And so he knows he needs some strength. And so they leave that room. And he goes and he takes his disciples with him to a garden in the city of Jerusalem. And he, he takes the disciples. He says, just stay watch. Be praying so that you don't fall into temptation. I'm going to go over here and pray to my heavenly father. And Jesus kneels down and he prays and he pours out. And he is in such agony that... And, and I've talked about this in years past at, at Northridge. And, and Jesus kneels down and he is so overtaken by the sin that is on him that he literally starts sweating blood. It's a physical condition that we know that when somebody is ultra stressed, like beyond stressed, you can actually sweat blood. And Jesus does that because of the weight of the sin that is on him. And Jesus prays. And after he comes out of those several sets of prayers with his heavenly father, Jesus feels that he has the strength to now do what he needs to do over the next 24 hours. And he goes back to his disciples. And it is that point that Judas comes with a whole group of people, armed guards with weapons, ready to go. But Jesus, of course, is not going to fight. He knows this is what he's here to do. And so Judas, Judas betrays him. He shows them who Jesus is. And they go and they arrest him and they take him away. And the disciples, all of them run except for two. All the disciples get out of there. They don't know what's going to happen. They don't know if they're going to be executed too. So they get out of there. But two of the disciples stay, Peter and John. But they follow at a distance. They kind of 
sneak behind trees. I don't know. But they, they follow at a distance. And they follow what is going to happen to Jesus. And Jesus is taken before the Jewish high council. And the council is there. They've trumped up charges against him. They have, they have secured false witnesses to lie about Jesus. And they come in. They bring him in. And, and they go through this trial. And during that trial, Peter... Somebody, three different people come up to him and say, hey, you, you are with Jesus. You know Jesus. You're friends with that guy. And Peter denies him three times. He says, no, 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 I don't. I don't know him. I don't know who you're talking about. And after the third time, Jesus looks right at him and Peter realizes he's betrayed his Lord and Savior. And Peter can't handle it. He, he starts weeping bitterly and runs out. Now John is the only disciple left somewhere. We don't know where he is, but he's somewhere in there in the mix. He's watching from a distance. John's the only one left. So Jesus is, is alone. And they go through the trial, and then they go the next morning, and the, the, the high council decides we need to get him to the Roman authorities, the only ones who have the possibility, the authority, to deal out the death penalty. And they call for the death penalty for Jesus, even though he's done nothing wrong. They call for the death penalty and they put him on trial and, and the Romans, they find nothing wrong with him. They say, there's nothing wrong with this man. We find nothing to, to certainly to warrant the death penalty. We don't find anything wrong with him at all. But the crowd says, crucify him. And from the pressure, the authorities decide to give him the death penalty and they sentence him, sentence him to death by crucifixion. And so Jesus has to carry his cross up the road to a hill called Golgotha. And Jesus is there and they place him on the cross and they put the cross up and they hang him there in between two common criminals. And then the only disciple that actually saw this happen, at least that we know of, John, he records what happens at the end of Jesus's life. He's been on the cross for quite a while now. And John writes down, he records what happens. And this is what he says, John chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head. And released his spirit. At the end of his life, Jesus says, It is finished. Why does he say that? Because the end of the week, the middle shows us the heart of God, the end of the week shows us the action of why he was willing to go through with the heart of God. At the end, Jesus tells us, I have done everything I possibly can now. At this point, it is finished. I have done everything I can to save you from your sins, to give you the possibility of being with God. I've done everything. It is finished. And Jesus knew at that point everything had been done. And then we have this. And this is, this is why this is important. And we don't like to talk about the crucifixion, do we? We don't like to talk about it because I don't know about you, but how do you feel? It, it feels a little bit strange. It's hard when we hear somebody doing something that we know we should have done, right? When I see somebody doing my job for me and I know I dropped the ball, how does that make you guys feel? You know, have you ever had that feeling when somebody does something for you and you know you should have done it and you missed it and you're like, it makes you just feel, ah, oh, I missed that. 
I don't know about you, but that's kind of how I feel with the crucifixion a little bit. Just a hint of that. I feel like, Jesus, you shouldn't have had to do that. I'm not worthy of that. But Jesus says, yes, you are. You may not feel like it, but you are worthy. And that's why I'm doing it. Because I love you. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to save you from your sins so that you and I can be good. So that we can be in relationship with God. You see, what happens is between us and God, sin, and when I say sin, okay, just so that we, because we get mental pictures of sin, we think of like a list of sin. We think of like the seven deadly sins, right? You think of, oh, sin. Yeah, I know what sin is. No, sin is way more than a list of things that we do or do not do for God or against God. Sin is literally the the propensity, the, the tendency of you and I to want to do our own thing instead of God. Does that make sense? It leads us to do these lists of things that are in the Bible that are against God. But sin is the tendency, the leaning of our heart to want to do our own thing above God. I don't care, God. I'm going to do it this way, even though it may not be what you want. I'm going to do it this way because I want to. Or I like this. Or I don't feel like you have a say in this area of my life. That is sin. Well, the problem is, God, that breaks his heart. Because he didn't create us to be not in relationship with him. He created us to be in relationship with him. He loves us. And so he knows that what this does is this creates a huge chasm, a canyon between us and God. Now, here's a physical canyon, but understand that this chasm, this canyon between us and God, it's a spiritual one. So this is a physical one to give you some idea. We're on one side of the canyon and God is on the other. And it's and it's not because God put it there. It's because of sin. We put it there. But God says, this is not how I want it to be. I don't want the canyon to just be there and to exist. And understand this is a physical canyon. We're talking about a spiritual canyon. There's no crossing a spiritual canyon, a chasm that we're talking about. Sin is not crossable unless God does something, which is the whole point of this week. God says, what I want to do is I want to create a bridge. I want them to be on the same side of the the chasm with me. I don't want them to be over there. That is not a relationship. That is nothing. I want them to be in relationship with me. So we need to create a bridge. And so Jesus becomes the bridge. Because the only way to create a bridge across that spiritual chasm, God knows the only way to bridge the divide, the only way for us to be in relationship with him is that sin has to be gone. It has to be out of the equation. Sin cannot be a part of it. God cannot be in the presence of sin. He literally cannot. Even if he wanted to, he can't because he's perfect. He's holy. So he literally cannot be with sin. And so we got to get rid of sin. God knows that. Got to get rid of sin. The only way we get rid of sin is there pay, a payment has to be paid for sin. But God doesn't want you and I to have to pay that. And so God says, I'll pay that. I'll pay it for them. And then they simply have to cross the bridge. I will create the bridge. I will take the punishment. I will pay the penalty. And then all they have to do then at that point is to cross the bridge. That's all they're going to have to do. And then we can be in relationship again. 
And this is the whole point. The greatest part of God is that his heart is for you and is for me. And he is and already has done everything possible to be in relationship with you and I. Perhaps the best way to describe this is with a story. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to explain a spiritual chasm. It's hard to explain the, the intensity of the separation that sin creates in our life from God. It's hard to explain that. And so I want to try to explain that with a story. Uh, this is a story I've told once before at Northridge, but in a completely different context. We were talking about a completely different thing. So I want, I want to come back and I want to revisit it. And it's a story that I think that you'll see the parallels and will help us understand why God did what he did and how he did what he did. The story is called The Giving Tree. And so uh, as I do this, I want you to just follow along. I want, you, I want to read this story to you and I want you to catch kind of the parallels. It's not a perfect parallel, but I want you to catch the parallels between what God does for us and, and, and what really God wants to see happen. So as I read this story, just I think you'll get the understanding of this. And uh, yeah, here's the giving tree. Let's read it. Once there was a tree, and she loved a little boy. And every day, the boy would come. And he would gather her leaves. And make them into crowns and play king of the forest. He would climb up her trunk and swing from her branches and eat apples. And they would play hide and go seek. And when he was tired, he would sleep in her shade. And the boy loved the tree very much. And the tree was happy. But time went by, and the boy grew older, and the tree was often alone. Then one day the boy came to the tree, and the tree said, Come, boy, come and climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and eat apples and play in my shade and be happy. I am too big to climb and play, said the boy, I want to buy things and have fun. I want some money. Can you give me some money? I'm sorry, said the tree, but I have no money. I have only leaves and apples. Take my apples, boy, and sell them in the city. Then you will have money and you will be happy. And so the boy climbed up the tree and gathered her apples and carried them away. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time, and the tree was sad. And then one day the boy came back, and the tree shook with joy. And she said, come, boy, come, climb up my trunk and swing from my branches and be happy. I am too busy to climb trees, said the boy. I want a house to keep me warm, he said. I want a wife, and I want children, and so I need a house. Can you give me a house? I have no house, but you may cut off my branches and build a house. Then maybe you will be happy, 
And so the boy cut off her branches and carried them away to build his house. And the tree was happy. But the boy stayed away for a long time. And when he came back, the tree was so happy she could hardly speak. Come, boy, she whispered, come and play. I am too old and sad to play, said the boy. I want a boat that will take me far away from here. Can you give me a boat? Cut down my trunk and make a boat, said the tree. Then you can sail away and be happy. And so the boy cut down her trunk and made a boat and sailed away. And the tree was happy, but not really. And after a long time, the boy came back again. I'm sorry, boy, said the tree, but I have nothing left to give you. My apples are gone. My teeth are too weak for apples, said the boy. My branches are gone, said the tree. You cannot swing on them. I am too old to swing on branches, said the boy. My trunk is gone, said the tree. You cannot climb. I am too tired to climb, said the boy. I am sorry, sighed the tree. I wish that I could give you something, but I have nothing left. I am just an old stump. I am sorry. I don't need very much now, said the boy. Just a quiet place to sit and rest. I am very tired. Well, said the tree, straightening herself up as much as she could. Well, an old stump is good for sitting and resting. Come, boy, sit down. Sit down and rest. And the boy did. And the tree was happy. If you hadn't noticed, the tree is kind of like God. God has given everything he can for us. Everything. He can give no more. He's done everything possible. That's why Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. I am doing everything I can to create the bridge so that you can cross. And the boy represents you and I. And, and the sad part of that story, of course, and the sad part of really the story with God is, is that sometimes we're like the boy, aren't we? Jesus dies on the cross and he says, I want to be in relationship with you. I want you and I to walk together, to do this thing of life together. I want us to make decisions together. I want us to, to live and have, I want you to have the fullest life possible, which is only possible with me. I want that for you. I desire that for you. I pray for that for you. I've done everything I can to provide that for you. And yet, as the boy, as, as sometimes as people, we go, Thank you, but, you know, I, I'm going to do it this way. I, this is what I really want, God. And God is, is saddened. His heart breaks because of that. Because he longs to be in relationship with us. Just like the tree just loved the boy completely, unconditionally. Gave everything. This is how God is for you and I. See, God knew that a bridge had to be created. 
But God also knew that we have to believe that the bridge is there. Right? God cannot, he, he's not going to drag us across the bridge and say, you're going to be on the side of the canyon with me. God says, the bridge is there. I've created it. Now you simply have to cross it. You have to believe that it's there, that it exists. And so Jesus is asking all of us, what are you going to do with the bridge? What are you going to do with Jesus? And I know some of us in here, some of you, you, you accepted Jesus a long time ago. Like you, you did that. You, you've, you've already done that. You've made that choice. You've been living that way for a long time. You said, Jesus, I'm all in with Jesus. Jesus and I, we're good. I believe I'm in relationship with God. I do my best to live that way. That is how I operate. This is, that's how I do. Some of you, you've been doing that for a long time. Some of you, I know, many of you have just come to Northridge and some of you accepted Jesus just recently. I mean, you just started this journey with us. I mean, you just began this whole thing of like, yeah, uh, okay, I think I'm ready to cross the bridge. And you did, you crossed the bridge. You said, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I know he died for me. I know he's my savior. He's my Lord. And I'm going to live that way for the rest of my life. Some of you just recently have done that. Just in the last year or two. Some of you just gotten baptized because of that. Awesome. And then some of us, I don't, know, I don't know who in here, but some of us, maybe we haven't made that choice. Maybe we've heard about Jesus. Maybe we've thought about the Bible. Maybe we've attended church. Maybe we've attended a church our whole lives. But we've never actually made a choice. We've never actually said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to cross the bridge. I'm going to live on that side of the canyon. With God, I'm going to be in relationship with him. So I'm going to accept that bridge. I'm going to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Some of us in here have never done that. And let me tell you, it is the most important thing to do. Because God has done everything he possibly can. That's the whole point of this week. Holy week, Passion week, whatever you want to call it. That's the whole point of us going through this next week and then celebrating. Next week, we're just going to celebrate what Jesus does that he conquers sin, that he conquers death. But the whole point is for us to be able to choose to cross that bridge. So here's, here's what I want to do. If you have never done that, or if you're not sure, if you're like, you know, I've gone to church and I felt like, you know, this is something that, that maybe, maybe I've done. I mean, I've been to church. Does that count? Or, but you're just not sure. Let me just tell you, the the point is, the whole key to this is that you have chosen to say, Jesus is the Savior of my life. I'm going to walk with Jesus as best I can. Trust me, it's not going to be perfect. I'm a pastor, and I am not perfect. Not even close. Talk to my wife for five minutes. You will find that out. Don't ask her, though. Don't ask her. It's not that Jesus calls us to be perfect. It's that Jesus calls us to cross the bridge and say, let's do this thing together. I know you won't always be perfect, but we can do it together. The problem is a lot of people choose to do it on their own. And that's where they're separated from God for the rest of life on earth and eternity. We don't want that. And so... If you're just, maybe you've been scared, maybe you've been unsure, maybe you've never, maybe you just wonder, I'm not sure how to do it, or maybe I'm not sure if I wanted to do it. But maybe God, 
you know that God wants you to do it. Maybe you just have never done it and you just you know you've needed to, but you never you never have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And if you want to do that, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to actually take that step to cross the bridge. Now, there's nothing special about the prayer itself. Understand the prayer is simply you saying to Jesus, to God, saying, I believe in you. I want to cross the bridge. I want to live on that other side of the spiritual chasm with you. I want you and I to be good. That's all you're saying. The prayer in and of itself is not the special thing. It's what you're doing with your heart, what you're doing with your life. Does that make sense? It's where you are positioning yourself with God. You're choosing a new thing. And by the way, it is just the beginning (laughs) because then Jesus says, okay, we're going to do some cool things together, but you have to follow me, right? You have to hang out with me. And so if you want to do that, what I'm going to do in just 30 seconds here, I'm going to pray. And I want you to pray this prayer along with me. I want you in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. Okay? I want you to pray it in your heart. I want you to pray it not to me, not to, not to anybody else, but to God. And I want you to tell him that you want to cross the bridge. So I just want you to pray this, the words that I pray in your heart to God if you want to cross that bridge. And, if, and I would say, if you're just unsure, if you, just, you don't know or you're scared of it, If you know God is telling you to do it, let me tell you, I know from experience, make sure you do it. (laughs) When God taps on your heart like that, just just listen. And if you're scared, I I believe God will help you. So let's pray. And if this is you, if you want to cross that bridge, I want you to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for paying the penalty for me. Thank you for taking my sins away for me. But God, I know I need to cross the bridge. So Jesus, today I am choosing you as my Savior. I am choosing to cross the bridge with you. I'm choosing to be on the side with you, in relationship with you. Jesus, take my sins away. Jesus, I want to cross the bridge to you. And I want to live the rest of my life with you. Jesus, thank you for making the bridge for me so that I can do it. I admit that I need you come and be a part of my life the biggest part of my life Jesus and make me new thank you Jesus thank you for loving me Jesus and we pray all this in your name Jesus amen before we sing um, I'll just say if if you did that it's really important that somebody knows um, I can honestly say as, as, as your church or as somebody that is here today, I can tell you that this is what we pray for. This is what we hope for because this is what God hopes for. We're, we're just lining ourselves up with God. The heart of God, we want to have the heart of God. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes, but we want to have the heart of God. And so here, here's what I want you to do. We're going to sing a song that talks about the sacrifice that Jesus paid. And this is how we're going to end our service today. We're going to sing this song. We're going to worship him. 
And this song talks very powerfully about what we just talked about, that Jesus paid the price on the cross for you and I. The sacrifice was made. But what I want you to do is, if you made that choice today, if you prayed that prayer, and you need to be honest, if you prayed that prayer, and you made that choice today, if you did that, here's what I want you to do. It's very simple. You have that Connect card, okay? All you have to do is, during this song, I want you to write your name on there. Try to make it legible. It's all good. And I want you to write, cross the bridge today. That's all you have to do. Put your name right across the bridge. Put like a number or an email or something because here's, here's what I'm going to do. You'll get an email or a call from me. It'll be me. It won't be anybody else. It'll be me. And I'm simply going to say, hey, I noticed that you crossed the bridge on Sunday and it's awesome. I just wanted to see if you have any questions. And if you do, awesome. If not, it'll be a short conversation. And that's cool. I'm serious. I'm not going to say, okay, now you need to volunteer for kids' classes. <laughs> I promise I'm not going to do that. I won't do that. But I do want to ask you if you have any questions. And if you do, good. We'll talk about it. If not, awesome. But one thing we do want, it's very important that we know, so that we know the choice that you've made, that you said, I crossed the bridge. I'm with Jesus now. That's a big deal. It's the biggest deal that there ever could be. So just name, right? Cross the bridge today and then put some way to contact you. And we'll, and we'll do that. I will do that. All right? You do that while we sing this next song. And would you just stand? And let's worship God for what he did for us already. It is finished. Let's sing and worship him because of that today.